A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is the Toffee Web Podcast. Hello, Blues. This is the Toffee Web Podcast coming to you on the eve of what is expected to be a very quiet transfer deadline day and in the wake of the FA Cup defeat to Luton and the 0-0 draw at Fulham, a result that unfortunately saw Everton drop back into the relegation zone in the absence of any luck on the injury front and the fact that the club barely has two pennies to rub together to try and plug some glaring holes in the team before the window closes, a lot of the focus, indeed a lot of the hope now, is on Everton's appeal against the 10-point deduction which got underway today, Wednesday, and will reportedly wrap up on Friday. Uh, I'm Lyndon Lloyd, Paul Trailers with me, Adam McCulloch returns for his first appearance of the year, and we're delighted to have Evertonian and author Jim Kyogen joining us to try and pick some optimism out of the bones of despair. Uh, but failing that, his new book, Everything He Wanted to Know About Everton, But We're Afraid to Ask, which came out in November, provides a uh, light-hearted diversion. Uh, we'll chat about that later in the show, but for now, Jim, a warm welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, I'll let you think, kick things off. Uh, what were your feelings after the final whistle at Craven Cottage? Uh, I think what happened at Kenilworth Road, uh, coming on the heels of obviously that cup defeat at Goodison for when Luton beat us for the second time this season, obviously colours things a little bit uh, based on your expectations going in. A good point earned or two points dropped? Well, I think when you saw the sides before kickoff, uh, and you know how kind of how, how many issues we've got, I think you'd you'd have gone there and thought that a point was was okay, uh, really. And it was a weird game because it was played back and forth. I think either team could have won it. To be honest, I mean they had some really good chances, didn't they? And Pickford's save was incredible in the second half. But um, 
I think kind of what haunts you is that miss at the end because you know it's 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 the last what well, last two or three minutes and you have effectively an open goal and we could have really kind of stoned uh, three points there and you wonder how you wonder how he misses that and it's kind of a, a, it worries me because it seems to be symptomatic of a bigger problem that if you don't have forwards you can score goals at all then how do you navigate the next four months and uh, there seems to be a real problem at Everton at the moment with the front line and it's kind of it's it's encapsulated in in that mess so it's um you know it's, it's still a point which is you, know, you, you can't you know it, it could end up being vital at, at the very end but it did feel like uh we could have easily got all three and then you then it's a very different picture this morning then you're not in the, in the bottom three and it's you know you go then you go into these two very tough fixtures coming up feeling slightly better but it's uh, so you know i guess psychologically uh, to go into these games down the bottom three is it's 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 an issue. So it's um yeah it, I, I you know it's a point in the road which is good but it's it, it could have been a lot better. Yeah, see it the same way, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, it's a really really frustrating miss at the end, isn't it? That uh, that they had a. I sympathised a little bit with the scramble. It was one of them another day, but it might have bobbled in, you know. But the they had a. He's really got to put that in, hasn't he? The better uh, better there. Um, I'm most annoyed about the penalty. I can't get over the uh, the penalty that we didn't get. Uh, yeah, I've been trying so hard not to sort of go along this conspiracy path of like you know, like oh, you know. But the, the longer this goes on, you you do begin to wonder, don't you? Well, like the iffy decisions going against us and everything that's happening. I just, I, I, I just couldn't fathom. I was, I was just so angry that we didn't get that penalty there. That, 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 that was the big one for me because that could have really changed games. We've seen how good we tend to be at holding on to a lead, really, until we go one off. You know, and that, that was, and we held them out as it was anyway. You know, so that was um, really frustrating. But then, despite all that, yeah, we could, could easily, could easily snatched at the end there. I'm more frustrated than anything else. I think. I think it's yes, it's a good point gain. You'd, you'd have taken it before the game with the team out on the pitch. But it just feels like it could have been one of them, which we, which we, uh, which, which which we should have won. Really, you could even argue on chances. I mean, they had some good chances second half, but we had we had plenty of good chances ourselves. And away from home, you get that. And we never seem to be able to be, be that team who can just uh, win when you're not when you're not at your best, when you're not the better team. Plenty of teams seem to do that against us. Nick will win here and there when 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 we've played quite well and beat us, you know. But we just never seem to do it. And while we're keeping good clean sheets. It, as as, uh, as Jim Jim just said, if you're not scoring any goals, then it's it's become a real problem now. Better can't put them away. It's 16 goals, 16 games without a goal for Dominic. You know, it's um and you look around the team and there's not too many you can really chip in with goals, are there? Really, you know, what I mean, if if those two don't, so um we've got to figure figure that out. I, I feel you know you keep creating them opportunities. Goals will come. I do feel that Dominic. It's not like. For me, anyway, it's not like a Mopé situation where, like, you just didn't, you just never felt he could really score last season, despite all the gains. You feel that I feel anyway that Dominic, and he's proven it before, that he will click into game, and then hopefully once he does, he gets a few goals, then things get a little bit better for everybody. Um, he's a little bit unlucky not to score last night. For the header, he was stretching for a bit, which hit the bar. He might have scored. For the other, the diving header was a really good effort, which is which unlucky to loop onto the top. So, you know, he's still confident. He's still getting into that position. So, I think I want something to go in for him, and then hopefully it triggers a bit more. But I think really we need them them big players back, don't we? And particularly the core, Jesse Gaze on the way back will help. And on obviously should be back soon. Good to see Young back. So hopefully a few weeks time that you know. 
bit more of a squad in place and hopefully I'm, I'm confident we'll be okay but we really need to start converting chances uh, into goals yeah that's it in a nutshell isn't it I mean we thought that bringing in competition for Dominic would sort of ease that worry you know our, our impotence up front and then um, yeah it, it, it doesn't really solve the problem does it because you, you saw two sides who like Bev said both sides create great chances both sides hit the woodwork Fulham kept getting into really good positions and looked like they needed a front man. We had a front man, but didn't really feed him enough in, in terms of Dominic. And then Beto comes on the pitch and you think he he, he gets that chance. He gets that one guilt-edged chance. Uh, Dominic's two headers, as you said, Paul, were, yeah, particularly the second one was tough. Um, and if you wanted anyone on the end of it, you think, great, we've got our, our £25 million man from Serie A on the, on the end of it. He's just going to... He's just going to put this away. I could put it away. Um, and uh, yeah, and very, very frustrating. Um, I think, as, as you both alluded to as well, before the game, do you take a point away at Fulham? Yeah. Do you take it with Godfrey at right back and, and Ashley Young uh, on right wing? Yeah, you definitely do. Um, but do you take it after you've sort of ridden your luck um, at both ends of a pitch and created two? Really guilt-edged opportunities in the last minute. That's the that's the signal, and and obviously with the wider issues, as you mentioned in the uh, in, in the build-up, Lyndon, it would have been nice this week to have had something to really cheer about. So, what was a, a solid performance at times? Um, it, it it certainly takes that edge off it away from home, and we're going to have to talk about the handball decision or lack thereof. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Paul. The the, the tin hat brigade, um, <laughs> which there aren't too many of. Um, I know Elle started that conspiracy uh, <laughs> rabbit hole uh, <laughs> some time ago. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a believer yet, but I'm definitely I'm definitely getting close to it because it's it's starting to feel like a bit of a sick and twisted joke. I think the only the only thing that would have made last night feel even more perfect was if Fulham had got a penalty for a handball decision down the other end after Beto's miss. That would have really kind of wrapped it up in a, a neat little bow. But I, I I do not understand what the officials and obviously the officials at Stockley Park haven't seen in that moment to, to not award a penalty. And obviously, as, as we all know, and as we've all ruminated to death, it's when you look at it, in contrast to other decisions that have gone against us. So that's incredibly frustrating. I must admit at this point, um, whether it's just because I'm a bit tired um, or I'm just a bit tired of football, <laughs> but I, I I don't necessarily have that anger anymore because it is almost expected. And that is, I guess, where you do fill that vacuum with a little bit of conspiracy. Um I kind of get it at this point because it's it's such an obvious obvious error, and surely that's those kinds of decisions are usually the ones that you think, oh well, kind of vars there to eliminate that, vars there to remove those kinds of bizarre handball decisions that are, tend to be the the real game changers. You know, there's no hand of God, there's no Thierry Henry against Ireland. I'm not putting that decision against Anthony Robinson in the same breath, but it was a handball on the line in a game of Premier League football. I don't really understand how it's not been caught, but it wasn't. And we move on. And as you say, Jim, it would have been nice to go into 
a tough run of games after a spate of injuries and some bad luck to have gone into that with three points, but a point on the board, fine, we'll take it. We've, we've talked about the, the refereeing a lot on the pod, Jim. Where, where are you? Are you conspiracy or incompetence? Where do you come down on this? <laughs> well, you always think of it, if it's incompetence, it'd be random, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it seems to be very focused um, on us. I mean, I, it, it's all that it makes you think like this, really. Because, I mean, you know, you, you kind of fundamentally you think there can't be a conspiracy. It can't be. Yeah. It has to just be incompetent officials. And yet, when you look at kind of the stats, you look at how, how long it's been since we've had a penalty, how, how rarely people get sent off against Everton as well. We, we, we seem to be an outlier at the moment in terms of kind of the stats. So it's... It's you know if you're being kind, maybe you say there's something weird going on. I'm not sure what it is, whether it's kind of you know unconscious bias or something like that. But there's there's it's definitely odd. And yeah, and, and you look at last night, and it is kind of it is really difficult to understand when it, when a player you know puts his arm out and and ball hits it. So his, his arm is in an unnatural position. It's in the box, and it's not even looked at. And you're thinking, you know. Again, partly thinks if that was the other end and that exact same thing happened, it probably would be a penalty uh, for Fulham. And it's, um, I think, with all the kind of as Dash calls it, the noise elsewhere at the moment, it's kind of feeding into that. We do feel kind of persecuted against, and, and you know, the longer this goes on, uh, the weirder it gets. You, you're kind of thinking, what would it take for Everton to get a penalty this season? Really, would, have, would like a player need to be strangled in the box? Would a <laughs> player need to catch the ball completely? You know, it's, we've had so many instances where people have been like, you know, two-footed, tripped, handballs, pushed, and that doesn't get given. So, kind of what is what is the what is the bar for an Everton penalty? Because it seems to be very different to other teams. You get them, you know, the teams who get more in one game than we get in, in eighteen months. So it's um, you know, and, and you know, people often say, oh, you know, the big teams get more pens because they attack more. Well, Everton are a very attacking team. We we are creating loads of chances. We are in the opposition box quite a lot. Um, you know, so why aren't we getting the same levels of penalties as as other people? Especially when you can point to this season alone, maybe five or six examples of of kind of challenges or issues where it would be a penalty for for a different team, and they have been given for other teams for, this, for similar things. So it's um, yeah, I don't necessarily have like a Tim Ford hat on, but it, I, the, more, the longer it goes on, it's getting weird, and and you, you do wonder will we get a penalty this season? Or maybe to get thrown one at like when we're three nil down is the ninety first minute or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Same, um, mm-hmm. you know that's what you can say that the throw was a bonus, so we shut up. But it's um, yeah, I don't think there's a conspiracy going on, but it's you can really appreciate why people do. Thing for me with that as well, though, it's like when people, I think, I think you said it on our WhatsApp thread, Lyndon, and you just kind of mentioned that Adam was like, "Oh, stop getting angry about it now." I'm kind of so used to it. Like, I'm getting angry about it because it, it's becoming stark for me how how critical this could be. Now we're in the bottom three. If we don't get our points back, and you know, like, God, there was a big song and dance about Wolves getting all the decisions against them. I bet they've had penalties. Well, they have had penalties because we're the only team who haven't. I bet they've played against ten men. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, have any teams more hard on to than we have actually now? But there's no big song and dance about it. You know what I mean? No one seems to really. The media don't really sort of like to draw any draw any attention towards it, as far as 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 far as I can tell. Tell so. I'm actually getting really angry about it now because I think it could, it's starting to worry me and that like, you know, it's, if, if things don't start leveling out at some point, then it could really, really 
be, be a crucial factor in us staying in the league if we don't say if we don't get the point you know if we don't get any points back say or, or, or don't get many points back so yeah that, that's 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 the biggest worry for me of all this is that it's it's it could really affect us, you know what I mean? Because it's so, and we say we're like, oh, we're not scoring, you know, we're not scoring any goals. Well, you know, maybe, maybe if we get that penalty in the first half and Carver Lewin Bank, you know, scores it and we go one up, and then maybe he's buzzing a bit more, then maybe we can score more goals if you're not getting anything like that. You know what I mean? You, you need them contributors. And then, and there's the other one as well with uh, Jack Harrison. Like, you think, like, okay, yeah, maybe I wouldn't be, you know, I wasn't screaming my head off for the penalty for that. But then when you see like uh, the Jota one or the, you know, the, the, the Louise one, you know what I mean? Both in the same game, <laughs> which, which are like, you know, like far, far less contact if you're looking at it that way, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is worrying me a bit now. Um, and I hope it starts to turn around quickly and you get, start getting a fair, a fair crack because it doesn't feel fair at the moment. Yeah, I, I come down on the unconscious bias because, like you, Jim, I, I can't I can't fathom that there would be a, a conspiracy against you know either a single club or a group of clubs. But I I've always believed there's an unconscious bias. I mean, it stands to reason that you know the bigger teams with the with the more vocal managers, be it you know Sir Alex Ferguson or Jurgen Klopp or or the like, you know, it's just and, and all the focus that goes on it from Sky and that focus on the on the big six in quotes and all. I, I just it just stands to reason that there would be. And if you look at some of the penalties that that um, Sadio Mane used to get for Liverpool, that Salah used to get for just flopping on the floor, when you when you when you put those up against some of the ones that we haven't got this season, it's, it's mind boggling. It is absolutely mind boggling that there is such a, a discrepancy. But again, I, I yeah, I mean, it's it's a mixture of incompetence and um, that just unconscious bias. I mean, I do wonder if if. He, if yesterday they rushed to the decision because there is, if you look at it from the side on uh, angle, camera angle, his arm is by his side. But if you look at it, obviously from behind the other, the other goal, it's clearly way out, you know, way out from his body. So, I mean, if, if, if that's the case, if they have rushed it and not looked at all the camera angles, then that's just another damning indictment of the whole, of the whole situation. But um, yeah, I think Paul, you're right. It's, it's one of those things where, we get that penalty. We we need we need a break. Clearly, in front of goal, we need something to go for us, and hopefully that will be a spark. And it's, you know, and for, for other teams, a penalty can be that. You know, if we because if, if clearly we're having problems scoring goals ourselves. You know, Calvert Lewin's goal drought is a worry, but you just you can't imagine that it can go on for much longer. Beto, Beto's going to need some time and patience. I'm trying to be as patient as I can with him, um, but, but you know, <laughs> without sort of conjuring memories of of the sweet Prince Omar Nias, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's become it's becoming a concern. But again, uh, he um, he's sort of an agent of chaos. I don't even think that he knows what he's doing. And so, from that perspective, it's it's again something's going to something will hopefully sort of bounce off someone's backside and we can get a run of. of uh, of, of things going up some some points on the board. But uh, last night, obviously, marked the first anniversary of Sean Dyche's appointment as Everton manager. Uh, Jim, how, how do you assess the job he's done so far as a whole? Uh, what are your feelings about him as we currently stand out of both cups in pretty disappointing fashion, really, and with just one win in the last nine uh, in all competitions? Um. I, I I I rate him. I think he's done a good. Job. I mean, I know he's not perfect. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes his, his subs are frustrating, and the way his kind of his inflexibility at times is frustrating. But actually, when you, when you bear in mind kind of what he walked into and what's gone on around the club uh, over the past year, and kind of you know his inability to really 
you know, got, got, got into the transfer market and, and create the team necessary that he, that he wants. I mean, you know, if the 10 points were added, we'd now be a mid-table team and you may maybe be talking about a kind of a late European push. Um, if he'd been able to spend as well, I'm, I'm sure we'd be in, in a better position. So, under like I think incredibly testing circumstances, he's done he's done a decent job. I mean, it's not perfect, but you know how how many managers are perfect. It's, it's rare to get kind of you know the ideal manager. I think for where we are right now, he really suits us. I think he understands the fight. He seems to have put down a blueprint of how Everton are going to play under him and how they're going to navigate this difficult time. The players we've got at the moment seem to suit what Dyche wants to do. I mean, there are certain issues yet. We haven't got like a backup to Corey, which is a problem because he seems to rely on that quite a lot. Um, he's got us um, defensively sound. You know, we've got more clean sheets this season than, than you know we've had for a long time. Um, you know, there's, there's loads of good things going on. Um, and I, I, said, I, I said again, he's you know under. You know, horrendous circumstances. I, I, you know, when you think of our recent managers that, that we have had, I'm sure they would have buckled under this. I mean, he's he, he seems unfazed. He comes out in press conferences. He, he, he talks a good game. Um, you know, he talks about alignment a lot, doesn't he? And that that seems to be a big thing. But there is signs of that. You know, the fans are kind of you know bought into what he wants to do. So it's um, I'd say probably like an eight out of ten at the moment. Um, I think he's the right man for the job right now. Whether he will be in the long term, I don't know. I mean, God knows where Evan will be in two, three years' time. But at the moment, he seems to be the right man for the job. And I think he's done a decent job as well. Yeah. Paul, that was actually going to be this week's question to to, to rate Deitch's uh, performance out of 10. So why don't you tack your, uh, tack your rating on to the end of uh, your comments about uh, the gaffer? I don't need to, James. I said I think fit with Jamie Finn. I was I would have thought early. Yeah. No, I agree. Eight out of ten. And I think, like you know, uh, you know what? If, if things um, a bit more rub here and uh, this 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 season, you'd probably be looking at more like a nine out of ten um, if we didn't have the ten point deduction. So even with that, some of the other results. I mean, like. You could say six point. We could have had an extra six points just from the two Fulham games. We certainly should have had a goal, had a goal in the first one and a penalty in, in, in the other one, both when it was nil nil. You know what I mean? So uh, then some of the other games as well. You got Wolves at home. Sheffield United away to an extent again. Another one we should have had a penalty in um, when it, when it was a draw. Um, uh, Spurs away. I mean, a lot's gone against us. You know what I mean? And that's not even talking about like lack of capability of early transfers. What he's had to do. What he's had to deal with with. Uh, Ball doing off heat upheaval happened with Bill Kenlight. There's a heck of a lot's gone on at the club. There always is a heck of a lot going on at the club, but it feels like it's been, you know, really sort of magnified under Sean Dyche. And I think I one important thing for me is how well does the uh, does your manager represent Everton Football Club? And I always thought Moyes represented us quite well, uh, very well, actually. Um, I loved how Carlo Ancelotti represented us. Marcus Silva never represented us that well. I couldn't stand how Rafa Benitez represented us. Mm-hmm. Lampard, OK, you know what I mean? But I think he represents us well, and I think he sticks up for us well. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's what I like. And, you know, I, I find if, you, if you're watching the press conferences on a, you know, on a Thursday afternoon, then you should be working or whatnot. And um, <laughs> you... you you know, if I'm not turning it off like I always was in the Rafa it's just a frustration of what how he's acting and behaving and that like then that's that's half the battle for me if the man if I'm on side with the manager. So like um 
I like the guy. I like how he how he how he how he looks after us. The players seem to like him. Um, this, the, the buying into what he what, what he what he's trying to do. He's up for the fight. So yeah, um, definitely eight out of ten. And he's unlucky not to have done better this season. <clears throat> unlucky not to have been in the semi final of the cup as well. And the the annoying penalty. You know what I mean? So and who knows? Might have got to a final. You never know. So um, yeah, really top marks for me. Top marks, but eight out of ten. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's um, yeah. That's again. I, I'll, I'm just reiterating what you guys have said, which is um, always a sign of a good podcast. But I think he he's probably the first manager in this Majiri era to, as you mentioned, Jim, to have his hands tied behind his back in some ways. But the, the, the others have either had lots of money to spend, or in the case of um, Benitez inherited sides with who've had lots of money spent on them. He's he's the first one to kind of deal with austerity era Everton, and not only that, he's had to deal with a huge amount of noise off the pitch, um, an unprecedented points deduction. Um, he's handled that situation incredibly well, um, as you said, Paul, in that public facing role. He's, he's he's had to be the de facto spokesperson during historic times, and he's done so. And he's only just celebrated a year. Celebrated. I don't know if he has celebrated a year in a row, but he's he's done a year um, <laughs> of, of hard time. Really, um, I, you know, it's it's probably it's probably taken some years off him. But um, I think he's yes, frustrated at times, as the players kind of do. I, I really admire the squad that we've got at the moment, but I can also equally admonish them a lot. Like there are times when I wish we play a bit more fluidly or that we'd have a little bit more of the ball. But then I also see a, a passion and a grit there that's been lacking under other managers. And we do create lots of chances, even if we're not scoring at the moment. We are in and around the box. We're not passive as we were under Lampard or incredibly defensive as we were under the likes of Benitez and Allardyce. So there's a lot to like there. I guess without the point deduction and without all the uncertainty off the pitch where we spend most of our time worrying about transfer decisions from three years ago rather than who's starting at right back, then you would be saying to yourself, what a great job, how far can he go? But also, is he the one to take us further? Is he, is he the one to lead us out to a new stadium? But, but those would be the more long-term questions that you'd maybe say, mm, there's, a, there's a bit of a question mark there. Is Where's the ceiling with Deitch? But, the fact is, we don't know that because there's so much to deal with in the here and now. And he's doing so under immense pressure. So I think an, an 8 out of 10 is fair for someone who's performed well, who, yes, is a bit annoying with some of his in-game decisions and his lack of flexibility um, slash Ashley Young approval on a regular basis. But there's a lot to like there as well. So, And I think he's, he's the right man for right now. Yeah. I mean, I find myself wrestling with the question of how much we should expect of him in terms of how we're playing, you know, the lack of what I see as tact tactical flexibility and variety in our play. I mean, you know, at times we're pretty dire, the football, but, you know, given what he's been up against, what, you know, all three of you said in terms of the financial constraints and injuries and refereeing injustice and all the noise in quotes of, of what's going on off the pitch. I mean, it's hard to to argue against what he's done, particularly when you stack it up against, you know, Lampard. We are measurably better in in 
almost all departments than we were under Lampard. Um, so if, I mean, from, from that perspective alone and given, you know, given what he has to achieve, which is basically just to keep us up, just get us into the, into the new stadium and still in the Premier League, um, you know, <laughs> points deductions notwithstanding, then I think that, uh, yeah, you know, for, from that perspective, maybe an eight out of 10, but for me, just the, uh, just the, the, the struggles that I'm having with how we're playing um, and the fact that even with the even if even with those personnel constraints, even when we've got more of a of a, of a greater complement of players, I still feel like we're lacking uh, when it comes to just playing football. So that, that for me, I think I'd probably give him a seven. But um, you know, you can't argue with the fact that he's kept us up one season and on course. I think over the balance of the season, if you obviously if you extrapolate out the points so far. Uh, with without the points deduction, then we're comfortably safe. I think then we just have to keep our uh, our fingers crossed that we can sort of keep keep on an even keel until towards the end of the season. We've got a favourable run of games, I think, where there's points to be had, and we need to get obviously get past Spurs, get past Man City, uh, and then maybe sort of reassess. Hopefully, have some of those players back, uh, and then uh, yeah, just sort of focus on on picking up enough points to either stay above Luton stay above Forest, whatever happens with their points deduction. You know, Palace of Palace are struggling. Obviously next season we can worry about playing style and, and all that kind of thing. So that's kind of where I am with it. Let's uh look ahead to the Spurs game, lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Uh this one's gonna be really hard to predict without knowing who's gonna be available. You know, again, we've got so many players out. Um it's not clear at this point if Idrissa Gay is going to be back in time. Um it's possible it's possible we could be without him. Amado Anana Andre Gomez, Seamus Coleman, and now Arnaud Danjuma, who doesn't look like he's going to be kicking the ball for a couple of weeks at least, depending on what he's done to his ankles. So, um, I mean, we're going to struggle to field the side soon. Uh, but Jim, what are your expectations of this one? Spurs will obviously be coming off a midweek game uh, and short to rest, but they have a lot more depth than us, so it's just going to be tough all around, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it's Spurs, isn't it? It's always, it's always going to be a, a hard game. And as you said, I mean, a lot depends upon who's on the pitch. That, that, that's the issue. I think, um, you know, a, a, a relatively full-strength Everton side at home could, you know, bear in mind how we played away when we finally kind of, you know, began playing after like 20 minutes. We could give Spurs a decent game, but it's, as you said, we're getting to the point now where are we going to have eleven kind of recognisable first team players on the pitch at the moment? It's um, I don't know. It's 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 a really difficult one to call because you because you don't know what Everton what, what Everton side is going to be really. I imagine if 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 Dice is shorter players, then it's going to be kind of a, a a more defensive performance and just try and maybe nullify Spurs. And try and you know do them on a on a corner or something like that. I don't think it's going to be a you know, free flowing expression of, of football from us. I think it's realistically we're going to be short in numbers and it'll be kind of a a, a dig in performance. But it's um, I, I think we can I think we can get a point. I don't think you know spares are spares are good. They aren't that good. And um, you know dice seem to know how to kind of navigate games quite well. So it's um, I mean it's difficult to call, but I. Always getting a draw, it wouldn't be a normal surprise. I don't think we'll win. I don't think we're in that in that, in that place, but I think we definitely get a point. Tough one to call, but 
I think he's 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 got a good knack of knowing how to how to press up against Tottenham. I found he's, he's he seemed to do it well last season when we snatched a draw and we were sort of really like aggressively pressing and certainly away at Tottenham. It was really unfair that we didn't get something from that game. Um, I quite fancy us, you know. I don't, I don't, um, just yeah, would you a win? Would you some goals? Would you something to go in? You know what I mean? Maybe it's I keep saying it to myself at least. It's, it's Dominic's day, you know. It's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna pull it away. It's gonna happen sooner or later. Someone's got to go for us, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, like Jack Harrison, McNeil plays with that, might Garner, so that might just chip in. It's, yeah, it, it, it's take something like that, you know. Um, I, I don't see why we can't. I mean, again, we don't, we don't know who's gonna be, you know, who's gonna be available. There's a few players limping around at the end of the game, wasn't there? Uh, Jabba Brantley was. I hope that's not going to be serious, you know. Like there was a few players who. Nursing a few uh, a few injuries, um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I like to think we can sort of uh, at home have a bit of a go at them there. And um, we, we've we've seen a Tottenham, you can, you can get at them, you know. Like if uh, you know they, they, they get into a little bit, they get a bit panicky when it's not going the way I find Tottenham. And uh, yeah, I've just got a feeling we can sort of uh, get into them. I hope Onana's fit. I hope that he's uh, he just needed a bit of rest and another body in midfield. I somehow don't think, although he's fit probably, um, even he came on in the African Nations Cup. I was watching a bit of it the other day. I don't know. I just get the feeling that Gay won't play or won't start at least. You know what Sean Dyche is like and sort of you know holding players back a little bit more until they're fully fully ready. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. I just got a, I've got an inkling about that one. I think to, I think I think would you a win whether we, whether we deserve it or not? Would you would you would you a win? At some point soon, we're due a bit of luck somewhere. So yeah, maybe maybe it's the game. I, I hope so. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, you look you look at the numbers. Um, it's funny you say that Dutch wants everyone to be fully fit, but Ashley Young at sixty percent nailed on starter. Um, <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably starts again at the weekend. Um, you would imagine if one of Anana or Garner Gay is available then that shifts McNeil out wide again. And we probably go with a very similar looking side to, to what we saw at Craven Cottage. I think if they're not, then it starts to look like maybe a kind of five at the back situation because the options in the middle look limited and losing Dan Juma out there as well. I can't really see him starting Lewis Dobbin in a game um, like this. And obviously other options on the, on the bench are, pretty sparse to be honest it's it's back to the back to the two goalies scenario isn't it really so um <laughs> might be three soon so might be three yeah, <laughs> yeah who, know, who knows but um i think is it a game i expect us to get something out of it a, a draw i think would be a really really good result under the circumstances um at the time of recording spurs are actually one nil down at half time to a goal from the uh, much maligned Neil Mopé. Um, of course. <laughs> uh, um, so, um, yeah, if he can do it, maybe maybe Beto can. Um, I did wonder if maybe the deferred payment scenario for Beto has gone against us. Maybe he's kind of deferring his composure until uh, the first, <laughs> the first uh, wad of money comes through. But um, I think, yeah, surely, surely from a set piece or from some moment of... Um, spectacular look will get something because we are if you're absolutely right by the way London in terms of the, the quality of football um at times against Fulham and over 
certain portions of the season has been pretty turgid and pretty awful. And the way we play the ball out at times can be incredibly frustrating. But we do create chances. So if I'm sort of skewing towards optimistic um, a la Paul, I'd say we will we will score eventually. And hopefully that is someone like, like Dom, um, just to get that confidence again. But I think a, a point against Spurs in this position would be a really good one. But hey, I'll take more. That's what we all. Yeah, I think mm. I think a draw would be would be a good result, you know, clearly. <laughs> but particularly if we can barely cobble together a team uh, worthy of the name. I'm hoping you would think that, you know, Adrissa Gay would I, I don't know whether his travel plans are set, but you'd think he'd be he'd be busting the gut to get back, just particularly if Onana's been missing because you know, obviously, we have him in midfield, and obviously McNeil can go back out wide and cover for Dan June. But otherwise, I don't know who who fills that role. I mean, I, I've sort of reserving judgment on Lewis Dobbin as well. I think he's looked very raw, um, you know, as as a potential starter. But we're getting to that situation to that point now where we're going to have to, you know, use some of these some of these um, kids or as, as few kids as we have available. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Paul, your point about how we've we sort of we've kind of got needled Spurs a bit and, and sort of got under their skin a bit. I think that that's what kind of fills me with a bit of confidence is that, that they like to play out from the back, but they also make mistakes. So if we can kind of you know get something from that, force a mistake, get an early goal, then all of a sudden we've got something to protect. And yeah, you're listening to the Toffee Web Podcast. Uh, well, let's talk about um, Jim's book, which again is called Everything You Want to Know About Everton, but we're afraid to ask. Uh, it's his fourth book on the Toffees <clears throat> after uh, Highs, Lows and Bakayoko's, which was about the uh, mostly gloomy 1990s. Uh, Everton Greatest Games, uh, Everton number nine. Uh, it's out now. You can buy it on Amazon. Uh, before we get into the book itself, uh, Jim, tell us uh, your Everton origin story on the one hand and how you got into uh, writing books on the other. How I became an Evertonian. Um, through a threat, essentially that I'm like, I come from a family of blues, uh, but my granddad was a was a red, and he kind of he was pushing me towards Liverpool when I was like four or five. So uh, me me ma said that um, that Father Christmas doesn't visit Liverpool fans, only Evertonians. So I was like terrified into into kind of you know nailing my colours to the mast, and then luckily you know my early Evertonian kind of experiences. With, with, with kind of the, the mid eighties, so when I was first going the match, I just thought Everton. I, I not only had made the right choice and got you know presents at Christmas, I'd also chosen the right club. <laughs> Everton were like sensation. I, I I thought this is what it's going to be like forever. You know, winning leagues, getting to European finals, winning FA cups. Uh, obviously, that was the blip, and the reality was you know decades of of, of shit. But it's um, so that, that's why I became. <laughs> Uh, and Evertonian in terms of kind of uh, writing about them I mean I've been writing for like 20 years on all kinds of stuff and I, I've done a few football books I've done one on um, supporter ownership called Punk Football and I've done one yeah. uh, How to Run a Football Club which is a journey from the very bottom of the pyramid right to the top and every level kind of stage, stage of the game journey where you look at kind of what's going on but you know it, you always want to write about something that you love and so um, I kind of Moved into Everton first with highs and lows to um, kind of to explore a very weird decade in the club's history. I think the nineties is a is a very strange time. It's, it's, it's that kind of transition period from us being an elite club 
to be in modern Everton, you know, and sprinkled with some incredible moments, you know, like the, the our last cup, two near-death experiences. They made us, I think, a different kind of Evertonian as well, kind of a more kind of uh, booey, angry, frustrated sort of <laughs> blue that wasn't there in the 80s, wasn't there in the 70s. It's, it's a very it's, it's a very kind of new thing. Um, and then from there, I just kind of kept, kept writing. And so um, I did one on Everton, I did Everton number nine, looks at nine number nines, and I did uh, Greatest Games, which, as the title suggests, looks at our best moments, which was, uh, that was quite an enjoyable book to write. But the new one is, uh, as, as the title says, it's, it's everything. It's it, hopefully everything. It's the vast kind of sweep of our history, uh, but also the bad bits too, because I think the bad bits are really important. I think they form what Evertonian is. So I'm, I'm, I hope what the book does is, is give readers a taste of why Evertonians are the way we are, why our kind of outlook is the way it is. So it's not just about the great moments, the lead titles, the FA Cups, the fantastic players, the great managers. You've also got to have in there Benitez, you know, Lampard, the effort in that moment. Uh, many, many examples of, of misfortune that we've experienced. And there was many times when the club, on and off the pitch, are completely balls up. So that's, um, <laughs> it's all in there, hopefully. And if you read it, you, you hopefully get a kind of a handle on not just our fantastic history, which I mean, it, it is still great. We are, we are still a massive club, but also, yeah. Uh, yeah, why we are the way we are, really. Yeah, that was going to be my, my next question, actually, was um, obviously how you got the idea for the book. Like, you know, you've just, just gone through it. It's a, I mean, it's a little bit more irreverent than your other Everton books. I mean, there are, there are odes to you know, cult heroes like Dennis Dracbelosi and the, uh, the aforementioned Sweet Prince Nias. Um, true or false questions like, you know, did Javier Rodriguez actually have a play for Everton? Uh, did you feel like we just needed something, you know, lighthearted given the prevailing mood around the club? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think it's an important part of being a fan. I think, you know, I think Evertonian's ability to laugh at ourselves is an important part of, of being a blue. I mean, you certainly compared to uh, Liverpool fans who have, you know, no sense of humour about their club at all. You know, they have uh, Rizzler thin skins. But it's Evertonians. We've, we've got that kind of gallows humor. Maybe kind of, you know, we've been through so many, yeah. so much crap over years and such, you know, bad luck and terrible times. You know, and I say, if you, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. And so I think it's, um, I, I wanted that to be a, a big part of the book because it is, being Evertonian, it is funny. Lots of times it can be awful. And, you know, there are plenty of times when you wonder, you know, maybe I should have just, Taking a chance and and on Father Christmas and, mm-hmm. and being a red, but it's you know it it's a you know it, it's a club with a, a lot of kind of funny aspects about it, and it's uh, I wanted to to include even the the bits that are crap in our history. There's still light amongst it. We do find that from these kind of uh, dark moments. So it's um, like I said, it's it, I think it's the idea was to give the full range of like what it is to be an Evertonian, and also it's quite like erratically. Structured. It doesn't. It, there's no kind of. It doesn't go like from the start to the end. You know, chronological. It, it, it's you have like the, the ninety, you know, the, the sixty six cup final, and then you'll jump to something shit, and then something good. Because I think that's the nature of being a fan. It's not a, you know, it's not an upward slope. It's not easy. It's it's up and down. You go from you know, like this season, you go from thinking everything's great, I'm doing well, and suddenly everything's gone to shit really quickly. So it's um, hopefully the book. Gives that impression that it's 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 an up and down experience, and especially being a Evertonian. 
That, that's what I quite liked about it, actually, is like the spontaneity of it. Like, you have a little bit about Bob Latchford, yeah. then you're on about, like, oh, true or false, and then you're on about, you know, like, say, some damn awful times in Everton, which did maybe, like, oh, God, that we were. <laughs> We were two up against Newcastle in the 94th minute and, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, moments like that. And it's, the funny thing with all them, I find there's moments of Evertonians. You you come out with that and you feel so, so damn low and you just think like, oh God, I just can't be doing with this anymore. But then a week later, you're at home to Brighton again or something like that. And you just back to, on your back of your mates and you're back sort of enjoying it again. And that kind of, I'm not trying to sort of put words into your mouth, Jim. It feels like that's what it's encapsulating what it's all about, being an Everton, you know, just like it's seeing the right side of it. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it. It's, it's really well written. No, cheers. Well, but that, that was hopefully that, that's what, you know, I want people to feel when they read it. You get that kind of roller coaster feeling of, of being not just a football fan, but being an Evertonian. Whilst at the same time, you know, I, obviously I've missed bits. You can't include every single facet of, of the last, you know, Hundred plus years, but I've hopefully got in all the important stuff in there that that, that really matters. So you, you know, it's not just a case of not just Phil, but like Mike Walker and Benicio. There's also some good stuff in there as well. Is is there any sense of regret that obviously with the timing of releasing, you potentially missed about three or four either very good or very bad chapters uh, of the other yeah. book? Yeah. Well, I can add that, that's the nice thing. Yeah. I, I can yeah, I can add, but you're right. I, I published it just before the ten points. It was taken off the end. I thought, you know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing that's happened to us in, you know, the last 30 years. So it's, um, yeah, you're right. It, it, that's, that's the weird thing about Everton at the moment. It's like, you know, you, when you look at our history, you know, things would happen, you know, you, you get like a few big things, maybe a decade. Whereas we're getting at the moment, it's, you know, over the course of a season, we're, we're up and down. It, it, and it seems to be, it's like, it's like a soap opera. It's like, it's, it's ratcheting up all the time. And it's, um, yeah, I, I published it, as you said, within a month. There's there's potentially four or five more things you can, you could include, which is incredible, really. Oh, so, so oh, that's the thing with any sort of fact-based book, isn't it? It's it, it, it's time-stamped from the moment you publish. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's just the nature of it, isn't it? So it's, uh, yeah. it doesn't dampen the book or anything like that whatsoever in, in, in any situation like that. So it's, uh, it is quite funny. It's just that sod's law thing, isn't it? <laughs> like, well, that's happened. Just after a press publish, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so when, did, when did you get the idea? How long did it take to write? Um, it took about six months to write. So I, I began working on it, um, I think, about a year ago, and I've just kind of been at it off and on uh, since then. It's, it's sort of, it, it, took, it took shape as I wrote it, to be honest. I, I had an idea of doing it because kind of, you know, just the big moments and, and that place. But as I wrote it, and as you talk to other Evertonians about things, you just get more ideas and more kind of uh, points of view. And I think, you know, a lot of the things I've put in there have been sourced from other blues. So I, I put things out to mates or on Twitter. You'd say, like, who are the five people we hate the most? And then you <laughs> get a back from that. And you say, you know, and then from that, you have to divide it. So obviously there's many Liverpool players. So we'll let's have five just Liverpool players. And who beyond that do we hate? You know, who the referees we hate the most and why? Who are the worst players we've watched in the Premier League? Uh, which again is, you know, it's very difficult to, to get a consensus on that because there have been so many. Um, <laughs> and then you know things like you know the event in that moment. You know, what, what I've got ten in there, but I could have had about fifty really. So it's whittling that down. But it's um, it's been a good process where you just talk to Evertonians and you get their point of view, and it's um, 
everyone's different, really. You know, the only thing that seems to unite people is the greatest game. That seems to be for those who are around at the time. It's it's always um, Bayern. That's the one that always sticks out. Mm. It's not like the not like capturing the league title or an FA Cup final. It's always Bayern. If you were there, you were around and you got to it. People are like it's you know definitely the greatest game. So that's that, that's a rare moment for consensus among Devertonians, I think. What format uh, is the book available in? So it's at the moment it's it's only through Amazon, it's paperback and Kindle. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm hopefully um, getting some copies at St Luke's as well. So people will hopefully um, I think I'm doing like a sign in there before the Burnley game this season. So I'll, I'll leave some copies there, and so people if they want to come in and get a book on the way to the match, then they can. Very nice. Just before uh, we wrap up. Uh, two more questions for you, fellas. Uh, I can't see us letting anyone leave, unless it's a young player on loan, perhaps, as I think it would be suicidal. But do you think we'll sign anyone before the deadline? Oh, man, it seems unlikely, doesn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. I, think, I think we need something. We need, I mean, obviously the squad is threadbare. You need a few more bodies in there. We're only kind of a few injuries away from a crisis. Um, so it's, um, you'd think we'd try and get somebody... But whether the club has the finances to do this, you know. Although weirdly, Forrest have got two players. They have been Forrester in trouble. Yeah. I'm just going out and they seem to have adopted the kind of fuck it approach. We're just going to get get we can. <laughs> so they're doing that. So, but Everton seems to be kind of towing the line. So it's, um, I mean, it, I think it'd be a, a welcome surprise if, if you woke up next morning and we got somebody in last minute. But I mean, it, I think it seems really unlikely. There's, there's, I know that they're, they're really playing it down, aren't they? They're saying it's going to, it's going to be quiet, and they don't seem to be you know, actively linked with them, anyone in particular. So it's, um, yeah, we clearly we're in desperate need of more bodies. But it's, um, I just think the way things are at the moment, it just seems to be really unlikely that that will bring anyone in. To be honest. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't. I don't think anybody will be coming. I'm just hoping nobody leaves. Really, I hope there's not some like you know big bid for an honour or something like that. We we can't afford to lose anybody there. Even like you know Ben got Ben Godfrey for example has been linked. He, he really shows his showed his worth last night. Fair play to him. Either you know, um, and I think we're going to need them all at some point. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I think we've seen it, you know. I mean, to be fair, like, normally by now we've been linked to a couple of players, haven't we? And you think, oh, okay, you get into deadline day, thinking, oh, something's going to happen, and then nothing does. And uh, But this time, it's just been so quiet this when There's been no real sort of, like, you know, like any real threads really, has there, in terms of, oh, we're going to get this player, etc. So, no, nah, I don't think anything will happen. I think it'll be a quiet day. Agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know what I can enhance that with other than absolutely not. If if we sign someone tomorrow, um, surely it means someone else has gone. And again, I, I can't really see that being allowed to happen unless, um, yeah, rather than fuck it, we've really fucked it, um, which we already sort out <laughs> having that position. It, I guess... That lack of sustainability from someone like Forrest does just show how bizarre this situation is that we're in, where um, other clubs continue to be linked with big names on big contracts, and we're in this position where we, we can't really act. And obviously, some of that is uh, the situation with the ownership as well. Um, but really, if there's one bit of business we're going to get done this week, it's getting some, if not all, of those uh, points back, isn't it? So, um, away from that, I can't really see 
any big uh, big Everton news. Yeah, I think uh, the, the loan deals tend to be easier. It seems to get over the line last minute, um, and that, so that might be why. If 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 and you, I've got to imagine that Kevin Thelwell is is just hammering as many sort of loan opportunities as he can because I can't see us. I can't see us selling anyone because you, 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 the risk of an, of someone coming in that that deal falling through, leaving us completely short with very key play. I mean, it's it's really you're looking at Onana, Branthwaite, and potentially Godfrey as so people who can bring money in, and all three of those players we're going to need. So you leaving yourself open to the risk of not being able to replace them, I think, would just be, as I said, suicidal. So hopefully they're looking at a a loan option at this point. Probably not going to have a world beater, but just someone with a pulse at this point who knows where the goal is would would help you know just because we are so so short on numbers but uh yeah your point about the uh about the appeal adam was actually part, was the focus of the second question um it doesn't look like we're going to find out for a couple of weeks but are everton going to get any points back in terms of this appeal would you think all some none <laughs> I don't know. To be honest, uh, you know, initially I, I thought the, the the league had gone hard, knowing that we'll appeal, and then you know make it like five, and then everyone sort of you know it's a it's a, it's a compromise. No one's that happy, but it's just you know they they look like they can regulate, and we've gone oh, okay, it's better than ten. Um, and but then you know, when kind of you read the report, and everything you think Everton have got a good case to get them all back. There's, there's, there's certainly a case there. But it's like it's not like you're appealing to like a properly independent panel, are you? Really, this, you know, you still you still feel like the league are involved in this, and so even if you have got a, a good case and we present it well, if it's a if it's a kangaroo court, what what difference does it make? So, um, my kind of my, my optimism has uh, has dimmed as it, as, it, as it's got closer. I think, and you can you can really see now that in a few weeks we'll find out that the league are just or the, the panel, you know. I've just gone now. Sorry, it's going to stand, and it's um, you know, I, a few a few months ago, well, before Christmas, you're thinking, oh, you know, even if it's just five, that's okay. But right now, I, I want all ten back because it's you know our situation deteriorated since then, and actually, you you feel like if we don't get all ten back, it's going to be a really really difficult end of the season. I think it's um. you know, because ten immediately changes everything, doesn't it? We're back to mid table. The pressure goes. They play without pressure. They'll probably win more games because of that. If those ten remain uh, taken off, then suddenly everything's tense. Everything's panicky. It brings an extra edge into, into games that shouldn't really be there. So it's um, you'd, you'd like to think that kind of sanity would prevail, and there is some there is some room for compromise, and you know, some get taken off, and the leagues still look like they can regulate and they can fend off the eye and that kind of stuff. And Everton, we can point out Everton haven't been run very well, so they, you know maybe we deserve something. But it's um, and I, at that moment I'm really pessimistic. I think the league will want us to be punished. They, they want a kind of a, they want a scapegoat. They want they want a club they can hold up and say, look, we can regulate, and they really want to punish someone. I don't think I mean as long as it's not one of the big six, they don't really care. I think at the moment Everton are a great example that they can show the government, they can show the kind of the future regulator. Look, look, look what we did. We managed to punish this club like this. Look how look how strong we are, you know. If if that they they won't want that watered down. So it's um, yeah. I'd I'd like all ten back, but I I, I don't see it.
when we got the 10 point deduction i i thought there's there's no way it's going to end up being 10 points was my initial thought i thought yeah a bit like what jim just said they'll you know it's 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 kind of done and they'll uh Evan will appeal it, it'll be a compromise figuring that, but and again, I don't mean to sort of get my tin hat back on, I mean, but that, but <laughs> just the way the, and go, go back to the way, the, the way we're getting officiated, the way, the, the, the what we're, well, what we're not getting in games, how we're being treated generally, it does, it does worry me. Um, are they just going to double down on us, you know, and just, and just you know, and, and, and be like, no, no, it, it's, it's 10 points and that's it. I think Everton, you know, for, for my obviously, I'm no expert, obviously, but I think they do have a good uh, have a good case, and the, it looks like they have got the, the the right lawyer in there to sort of you know um, uh, to you know to, to make the, to make the right noises about this. So, um, but the one thing I I feel we got on our favour is if they do if they do give us ten points to this, blimey, have they set a precedent there for like if that's what it is for for that for that size of breach. What the hell are they going to do to Forest, who are more in the, uh, you know, we've got a larger uh, over over by, by more than we are with the FFP. What are they going to do to the others? You know, I mean, everyone's looking over the shoulders now. It's become, it's becoming like a, it's become so farcical. So if they start punishing one team, even if it's the team before, oh, we can do them. It's the yeah, you know, no, no one's going to care. I don't think they realise the bigger implication that that this could have. And look at this transfer window throughout the whole league. It's it's, <laughs> it's never busy. Yeah, you know, January's never busy anymore. But it's just been it's it, it, it's been yeah, you know, nothing's happened. Everyone's just like you know, <laughs> no, you know. So um, you know, and I know the change of the rules again and all that. Like, but I just think it, leaving it at ten points. It's the one thing I feel like we might just be in our favour. It is such a huge precedent to set. And if that's your margin of error, then bloody hell! What the, are they going? You know, how many teams are going? What <laughs> it might just become so farcical over the next season or two if that's what it is. And it, you know, so that's something that might just be in our favour. But I just, I, in any event, I just don't think we're going to get them all back. And, I, and and that's the thing. So let's see. Um, I was more optimistic, yeah, like Jim, like Jim was saying, but um. Who knows? Maybe it surprises you. It's a shame we, we, don't, we won't really know how it's gone or how what's happened or have any real sort of insight. It's all going to just be, I don't know, we'll be enjoying your morning in a few weeks' time and then... And all of a sudden, go. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emergency podcast, fellas. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Sound me alarm. Yeah. I mean, it's sad, isn't it? Because if you just said to me a few years ago, oh, we're going to sign a guy called... Lawrence Rabinovitz, I'd, I'd be quite excited. I'd be like, "Oh, he sounds good. Um, sounds like a you know football manager regen." And now it's just it's just our it's our lawyer. Um, it's it's sad that we've had to spend so much of this season. I think that's where some of the apathy comes in with me um, over the last couple of months. But so much of what we love about the game, we're not really getting to do because we're either watching a game expecting a decision to go against us or feeling hamstrung by this big decision that's gone against us, that's lurking in the background of every decision, um, every game, every sort of moment leading up to it as well. Um, I think at this point, sadly, because of that, you take clarity over a reasonable decision. A a reasonable decision is certainly not a 10-point deduction. It's certainly not a sporting sanction for a financial error, a financial error that others have committed you know, since the inception of the Premier League. And yeah, we're a part of that. And yeah, modern football is a bit of a farce, but we're, we're not the first people to kind of 
play that game the wrong way. Um, but as you mentioned, Jim, we are the right size club. We're, we're just in that absolute sweet spot where hit us and, you know, others others might, you know, um, well, just see see that that's a punishment that fits a crime. But you're also right, Paul. It's a, it's a hell of a bar to set. Um, I I don't know at this point. I I would love to say that uh, reason will prevail and that we'll look back on this as just a very strange asterisk in a couple of strange seasons. But I I, I don't know. It might just be take your medicine, or it might be six points, and that's still far too many, and would probably still leave us looking nervously over our shoulders, particularly when. Luton are picking up points again, and we, you know we're even having to talk about Luton. No offense, Luton, but it's it's still it's it's very very worrying. It's very um, well, it's it's just consuming, isn't it? Um, but at, at this point, I'd, I'd I'd like an answer. And yeah, what I would say, and we've kind of already touched upon it with Dyche, is even even though it's not always pretty, I do think he's the right person to steer us through this moment, whatever it might be. So let's hope that's the case. And yeah, let's hope uh, Lawrence does his job. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's unfortunate that we're not actually going up against a proper court because then you'd be really confident mm. that, you know, that, mm. that a, a super silk, <laughs> in quotes, would be able to get the job done. But it, as, as you said, Jim, I mean, if it is going to be, you know, a kangaroo court, I mean, the Premier League are in Richard Masters in his latest statement yesterday, or in that letter rather, um, back to the to the DCMS, you know he, his assertion that everything is you know above board and it's completely independent. I mean, I think that at least one of them has connections to the Premier League. The the, the, the fellow who was on the uh, part of the decision with West Ham and the Sheffield United case, you know, a decade ago, he's in, he was involved. So I just don't see how he can make the case that it was completely independent because it wasn't. And so, you know, that's that's the concern is we don't know who's obviously going to be on this new three-man appeal um, you know, panel. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But on the one hand, I was when it, when it first happened, I thought there's no way that that they'll allow, not not allow. There's no way that we won't get some point back. Just given the reaction from the wider game, politicians, you know. But <clears throat> the longer it goes on, the more I'm caught between the Premier League on one hand wanting to, as you know, as we've said, press home their their. Uh, their credentials and and not need regulation, and on the other hand, maybe showing a bit of sort of common sense in terms of the proportionality of, of the sanction. Maybe that will help them uh, in the in sort in sort of in terms of public perception. Maybe the the way that it seems to be drifting is that the, that that bill is going to get presented to Parliament regardless of what happens with Everson, um, and so it may it may just be academic, but. Uh, if I if I had to guess, I'd say maybe we get four or five points back. That would be nice. I can't see can't see us getting all ten. I really can't, um, just because it would go against you know the whole idea of 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 regulating a club that's that's admitted to breaching you know the the, the PSR. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, some points some points any points would be back. I think that would just it would provide a lift you know to the to the to the club, wouldn't it, and, and the fans, just to have something, even even a, a small a small victory. Uh, 
Okay, well, thanks, fellas. Thanks to Jim for coming on. Best of luck with the book. Uh, once again, it's available to buy now on Amazon, along with all of Jim's other books. Uh, we will either be back early next week to review the Tottenham game, or we might jump on for a spontaneous podcast that Everton surprised us all by signing someone before the deadline. See you next, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> either way, until next time, thanks so much for listening. Keep the faith and up the toffees. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.